0: Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. All right, turn to Ephesians chapter two as we're making our way through the book of Ephesians. I'm, a, I'm just going to get straight into this. Paul, don't worry about the pictures we talked about earlier. I'm just going to skip all that. I'm going to tell you that Paul, it was a Jewish tradition for teachers to give a what they call a lesser th- to greater than argument. And what I mean is they'll tell you the lesser thing and build up to what is the greater thing. You'll see this in the book of Hebrews over and over and over again as they talk about the the heavenly temple and the the better sacrifice, and all these things that is ulti- that are ultimately Christ Jesus. They start with the lesser identified or shadowed or typed in the Old Testament, but because of Christ Jesus, the greater. And so Paul, because he is of the Jewish tradition, understands this lesser to greater argument very well, and he makes a lesser to greater argument in verses 1 through 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. He is starts with, we were dead. That's the, that's the lesser argument. The fact that we were reprobates. And I'm going to get all of that in a minute. But, because of God, there is a greater argument to be had. That you are no longer dead. That you are no longer reprobate. That you have been called by God. That you have been in, inundated with His love, His mercy, His grace, and all of these things. And this is the message that we see in Ephesians 2, 1-10. That I don't care who you were. And honestly, I don't care who you are. Christ can save you, has saved you, and can keep you. Amen? That's the lesser to greater argument that I want to get across today. So many of us condemn ourselves over who we were. And some of us walk in the shame of who we are right now. Can I tell you to stop? Because there's a God out there that loved you enough to send Christ Jesus to you when you were the worst of the worst. Jordan, many years ago, he said we've known each other six or seven years. I'm not insulted by that, even though it's been closer to ten. But uh, I was listening to him teach a group of kids one day because he was a youth pastor, the children's pastor at Cornerstone. And I think they had him going in and actually teaching the youth that day But he said this, and this is the truth of of the God that we serve. He said, God has been practicing his welcome home speech much longer than you've been practicing your can I come home speech. Isn't that beautiful? And that's what Paul is telling us today, that God made a plan for us. It doesn't matter who you were. It only matters who you can be and who you are in Christ Jesus. So let us read together. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10 reads like this. And some of this this is the some of the most beautiful theology in all of your scripture. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too were formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So there's three words I want you to listen to, or four specifically. In verse 1 it says you were. In verse 2 it says formerly. In verse 3 it says formerly. In verse 3b it says were. And then in verse 4 it says this, but God, everybody say "But but God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He has loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated with with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, you want to talk about a lesser to greater argument. This is who you were, but the greater argument is that you are now seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Verse 7, So that in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Amen. Man, that's a good word right there. And so I want to make a couple of points out of this text that I think are vitally important. And we have to start with who we were. What I love about the gospel, beside the fact that it is the power of God unto salvation, is that it is the whole story, our whole history, and how that plays out in Christ Jesus. The gospel starts, has to start with how terrible you were. Because I can't declare to you how good God is, and it make any sense to you, unless you understand you don't deserve His grace and mercy in the first place. And so this is what Paul is saying. He says, he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. We were absolutely dead. We are, at, and of course he's talking about spiritually, not physically, obviously. But he said, you are completely unresponsive to the call of God. Until by the Spirit of God, we are provoked by God. No one can know unless the Father provokes him. This is the truth of the Word of God. We don't have the ability to understand our trespasses and sins. We don't know how dead that we are. Now, I'm not saying, listen to me, this is important, I'm not saying that you don't know there's a God. I'm saying you have no ability to respond to God. Romans tells us that, in fact, every person by the very nature that exists around us knows that there's a God And that text is Romans 1, 18 through 20, where it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. What does that say? It means all of us have an understanding. It's evident that God exists. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. He's saying you're dead in your trespasses and sins, meaning you don't have the ability to respond to God unless provoked by the Spirit, which is horrible because your very nature indicates to you proves to you by stepping outside and watching the grass grow that there is a God, but none of us have the ability to chase after Him. None of us have an ability to desire a relationship with Him unless the Spirit provokes us. That's how dead we were. Why do I bring that up? Because it's not how dead we are. All of us walked in our sinful nature. Galatians, before it starts talking about The uh, fruit of the Spirit, and it talks about love and joy and peace and all of these things should should just overflow out of us. It tells us who we were and the things that we did. The deeds of the flesh are also evident. Immorality, impurity, sensuality. Idolatry. You can close your eyes here and place yourself in any section or subsection of these things because you know the sins that you dealt with, the sins that you probably still deal with to some degree. And if it weren't for the Spirit of God, you'd be mired down in right now. It said the deeds of the flesh are evident which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and all things like these. The fact of the matter is, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God according to the word of God. But praise God, he didn't determine to leave us that way. Amen? He determined to love us. And so the text continues in verse 4. But God think these are beautiful words. I don't think they're beautiful words. They're beautiful words. And he made us alive by grace through faith. It doesn't matter who you used to be. It doesn't matter what you used to do. I, my heart breaks that the Christian walks around in the shame of who they were. It's an affront to the loving nature of of the God that we serve to allow ourselves to be chained to the sins of our past through guilt and shame. I am not ashamed of who I was because who I was covered in the blood of Jesus Christ no longer exists. I have the promise in the Word of God that He, when I ask forgiveness, forgives me and causes me to be righteous. That he has completely erased my criminal history. We talked about this a little bit on Sunday. That he has placed my sin behind him. That he's placed my sin in the sea. He is no longer in remembrance of the sin that you asked for because it's covered in the blood of Jesus. But we still want, it's not covered, I I said that wrong. I I made the mistake that I complain about all the time. It's chiseled off of you and washed completely away from you by the blood of Jesus. And so often we want to walk in the shame of who that is. Can we stop? Can we glorify God and magnify God and and love God and and, and just praise him and bless his holy name that he cared enough about us to send his son Jesus that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I don't care verses 1 through 3 existed in your life. The fact of the matter is God doesn't care that the verses 1 through 3 existed in your life because that's not who you are, that's who you were. Who you are is the son of a king, the daughter of a king. I'm a child of God, bruh. Amen? And I want us to get a hold of that. Jesus Christ took stripes on his back, suffered unimaginably, not just on the cross, but his life was an act of, had to be sheer submission Sheer endurance. I couldn't imagine. Comes in, out of heaven. The Bible says in Philippians that he stepped out of heaven and humbled himself. Just to walk the earth. To have the royal feet of God. The divine feet of God. Touch the filth of the earth. And live in this mess. For 30 years before he even began his ministry. Is enough of a sacrifice that we should praise him for it. Amen. But then to die upon a cross, to allow himself to be nailed there, knowing he had the power, the ability to remove himself from there so that we can be saved, no longer caged by who we were, free in Christ Jesus, is an amazing thing. It's an incredible thing. It's something I want us to grab a hold of and say, I'm not that guy anymore. God did not create me to be a person of shame. God created me To glorify his name. And I glorify his name best when I know who I am. And I am in Christ Jesus. We've talked about this since we started the Ephesians series. Chapters 1 and 2, all the way around. In Christ, in Christ, by Christ, through Christ, in Christ. Over and over and over again. Because Paul wants us to understand, it doesn't matter that this is who you were but in Christ, by Christ, through Christ, this is who you are now. Amen? And I, and I love that. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. I feel like I could literally say that same verse over and over and over again to you on repeat and never explain it and it should just wash you in a way that causes you incredible peace. And so I'm going to again at least one more time but God all that stuff but God But God, I put this on Facebook earlier this week or maybe even today, I don't remember. But God is the great nevertheless. I was weak. Nevertheless, I am strong. I wasn't sufficient. Nevertheless, through Christ, I'm sufficient. I was tormented. Nevertheless, I am at peace. I was going to hell. Nevertheless, Christ saved me. But God is the great nevertheless in your life. Let him be the great nevertheless in your life. But God, nevertheless, God being rich in mercy, which means the extension of his love. He was so moved by our situation that he had to take action because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions. Did you know even when you were dead in your transgressions, God's heart broke for you? even when we were dead our... Tr- made us alive together with Christ Jesus. We see this same truth in Romans 5.8. But God, nevertheless, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still all of these things in Galatians 5, when we were still the, all of these things in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, when you were all of these sins or any segment of these sins, when you were absolutely mired down... In who you were, but God loved you enough to send His Son, Jesus Christ, so that you wouldn't be dead in your trespasses, so that you wouldn't be were formerly, formerly or were, but so that you might be seated with Christ in the heavenly places. I feel like somebody ought to say amen. Amen. (laughs) I just think it's good. I'm sorry if I get passionate about it. But the question is, why would God do such a thing for me? Do you know I can believe that God, I can believe God just about for anything for you. I look at people that are broken, physically, spiritually, mentally, and I could pray healing over them, absolutely convinced that God's going to move on their behalf. Because the Bible says that, that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, we are healed that he took our infirmities and our diseases. That's what the Bible says. And because the Bible says it and you have a need for it, I believe that, you, that he'll meet that need. Because he promises us, because he is near, that we can have peace. I can believe for peace for you, no matter what your circumstance is. Can I tell you honestly, though, and as transparently as I have, I don't have enough faith or as much faith as I'd like to have for myself. because I know who my dead and trespass and sin guy was. You don't. You see Pastor Jim. I see circa 2004, borderline alcoholic, horrible reprobate of a man, Jim Kubik. But you know what? God doesn't see that anymore. So when I tell you don't walk in that shame, I'm here to tell you that's a fight I fight every day. But it's a fight I'm winning. And it's a fight that you can win too. Because Christ died so that you could. I just want us to have confidence in who we are. Because God loves us. The reason why he did it, according to this text, is in verse 4, he says, Because he's rich in mercy. In verse 4, the second part, it says, because of his great love. By grace. In verse 5. In verse 7, it says again, by his grace. In verse 7b, because of his kindness toward us. In verse 8, because of his grace. Because of his love for us. is so overwhelming that he had to extend mercy to us because his grace over us was so beautiful that he wanted to prove his loving kindness to us, because he wanted us to be in relationship with him. He sent his son Jesus that we might be in Christ Jesus. Why does God do it? Why did God do it? Two reasons. Because his love was too big, is too big to leave you the way he found you. And two for the sake of his own glory. That's good. So that in the ages to come, verse 7, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? That's a why. That's the answer to the why question. So that in the ages to come, tomorrow, the next day, the next day through all eternity, He might show the surpassing riches of his grace towards us in Christ Jesus. So people can look at our lives and say, I glorify God because of Pastor Leonard. I glorify God because of you, Miss Debbie. I glorify you, God, because of you, Wendell. I glorify God because of you, Matthew, because it's God's grace, God's mercy that saved you. I don't care who you are or what you are, all the level, all the ground at the foot of the cross is level, and all of us have the same footing there. Because God's grace is sufficient, because his mercy, because his love for us, he gave us his son, Jesus. That's why. So that he could prove his love for us, and so that he could glorify himself in the love that he extended to us. My question to you, and I'm not done teaching yet, probably should be. My question to you is, what are you doing with that love? What are you doing with his expectation of glory? How are you living your life day to day to be the expression of love that he is to others that he was to you? Because the Bible says, if you say you know love but know not God, you don't know God because you don't know love because God is love. And so if you're not willing to love people like God loves you, which means sacrificially, means giving up your time, your treasure, your talent, then you don't love them like God loves them, which means you probably don't know what love is at all. We need to get down to the root of this thing and say, listen, sometimes according to John thirty thirty, we have to become less so somebody else can be greater. And that, that just rips away my flesh. But that's okay. I think that's the point. We're supposed to be willing to, as Pastor Jordan says, crawl upon our own cross. Not Jesus's cross. Jesus had his own cross to bear. But all of us have a cross to bear. What are you doing with the love God gave you? And what are you doing with that love in a way that glorifies him? This convicts me. These questions cut me but they're necessary questions. Which really brings us to my last point, and the last thing I'll say. He says, For we have been saved by faith, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. I think i've made that abundantly clear you didn't do it you can't do it you had no ability to come to god no desire to come to god it is because his grace extended to you and your faith in understanding who christ jesus is and the proclamation of that faith according to romans ten nine, to declare out of your mouth jesus christ is lord believing in your heart that god raised him from the dead you shall be saved that is how you were saved not by your works now that sounds contrary to what I just told you. How are you showing the love? But it's not contrary. James will tell you, "Show me your works." Without faith, I'll show you works that's dead, or faith that's dead. Show me faith by works, and that'll be dead too. They have one has to have go equally with the other. If I have faith in Christ Jesus, then Jesus ought to ooze out of me. Amen. But that's not the last point. This is the last point all of this stuff. Who we were is no longer who we are. We've been saved by grace through faith, not as something we've done, but something that's been done for us for this reason. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which prepared beforehand, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Whatever God did for you in your life, He wants to do in the life of the people around you. You are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? To sit on your hands? To sew your mouth shut when the room's uncomfortable? No, for good works. And the only good work is the work done necessarily to show God glorious. And so we've been saved out of the mess that we were in. By grace, mercy, love. And we grab a hold of that by faith. But our responsibility to it is to ensure that we participate in the ministry of reconciliation so that other people might know what we know. That's my prayer. I think that's, if Paul were going to pray, I think that's what he would pray in this text. Show them who they are versus who they were. They were lesser than they are now. They're greater now than they've ever been. We are greater now than we've ever been. And the hope of our eternity is that we'll be greater still. But between now and our eternity, let's make sure that as many people come with us as we can make come with us. Or as we can cause to come with us by declaring the gospel. You're all, I don't know what to say. I've told you what to say. A thousand times since we've been here. Romans 3.23. For all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, tell them. John 3:16, you had this sin problem, but God. John 3:16 sent His Son to you, and Romans 10:9, how do you procure the solution to that problem? Which is Jesus, by declaring in your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, believing in your heart God raised Him from the dead, and you shall be saved. It's that easy. It's time for us to have, and I know I've, I've, I've run this circle till the grass is off the field, but it's time for us to have gospel conversations because somebody had a gospel conversation with us. Amen, you want to know why we're, we're sponsoring Pastor Jordan, while we're, we're sending Tim Brewer, while we send people to the Middle East while we do everything that we do locally, because we're God's workmanship prepared beforehand for good works so that others might know what we know. Amen.